Chad, you ever go to the arcade play a little more com- Mortal Kombat? No, never did. Never did. I played Donkey Kong Jr., man. I uh, got to get Grand Theft Auto mode now. Grand Theft Auto 4. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So about an hour ago, we did that coronavirus special right upstairs, 1 p.m. What? Did you watch it? <laughs> Not only did I watch it, I covered it, baby. <laughs> well, oh, you uh, had to do a report on it? Yeah, I had to write up every word they were saying. The news ain't pretty, man. No, it's not. And it gets like, it gets a little bit more serious. I remember a few yeah. weeks ago, Craig and I, this was when it was first our break and Craig and I were doing radio and we were like, should we even mention the coronavirus? And I was like, yeah, I think we should because it's Chinese New Year. If this disrupt, disrupts factories, yeah. it could cause a problem. This was a, maybe like three weeks ago. And up until that point, we had been talking about how there was going to be a rate recovery. We're all looking forward to that. Oh, yes. By Q2 in the spring. And on this show, I think we're going to focus a bit on how that has gone by the wayside. And not just with supply chain in general, things are getting scarier. Uh, Facebook just canceled a conference. I, wow. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to Disney World in, at the end of March. Wow. Well, it's, I mean, there's the whole psychology of it. There's a lot to talk about. I feel like last night, the news, the spread our understanding of COVID-19, COVID-19 has gotten better. There's a bit of a turning point. Yeah. And today is a fascinating day. Un- I mean, unprecedented. Stock market, biggest drop in history. Now, granted, the stock market has been bullish for, you know, 11 years now, since 2009. It's unprecedented highs. Warren Buffett did say it's a great time to get uh, to pick up some stocks. Well, if we had one takeaway right now, I would say we all need to wash our hands a little bit better. Have you done anything to prep? Have you done any panic buying? Like I had my wife buy. <laughs> no. I had my wife buy 80 pounds of rice. I got like jasmine, basamati, uh, some long grain, some whole wheat, just in case. <laughs> wow. You don't want to be like the guy like on like like virus New Year's Eve where everyone's storming the stores like Black Friday trying to grab like. Like I've in New England, yeah. whenever there's a snowstorm, people go crazy trying to get like the the milk, bread, and eggs. It's like French Toast City. You're right next to the Walmart. You'll be okay. No, you know what they say though. You know how you can't get those masks or people where where they are. You can buy them maybe on eBay for two hundred dollars or something. Yeah. Well, apparently some doctors are saying that they, those aren't even gonna. Those aren't very effective anyway. So I don't know if that's good yeah, that, news that's or bad news. That's one of our news. headlines is that yep. people are, are buying those up, and we'll get to that in that. But yep. I'll tell you a story. I was looking them up last night now because I always thought they were more to protect other people from you. So if you're coughing and you have the disease, it's not so much to – because then you'd have to wear goggles and gloves and all that stuff if yeah. you really want to be virus-proof. It was more so when you cough, you're not getting other people sick. I always thought – well, I, th- I guess it goes both Well, because Americans don't think that way. I mean, I think the right. Japanese do. They they wear it when they're sick. They're trying to be polite. They are, yeah. We would never be that. We, we were like, <laughs> wait, what? Oh, it's not to save us? Right. What? It's to save you? Then who cares if they're sold out? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I was looking uh, on, on Wish, though, and would you buy a respiratory mask for a dollar off Wish? Uh, no, <laughs> what is – what's the – is that like a – Oh, you don't know what Wish is? Is it like a cancer – foundation thing or no, no oh. wish that's make a wish wish oh. is uh wish is a site where you can get um it's like it's like alibaba kind of basically it's like overstocks it's uh people from china selling you well stuff. then i guess i would you would what? get one why not okay all right if I, if would... I felt like they were effectual but you know what is washing your hands people 
If that's your one takeaway. Anyway, we have headlines, right? Yes, and some bills to pay. Oh, let's do that first. Yes, this episode is brought to you by Redwood Logistics. They're a leading logistics platform company whose diverse solutions portfolio includes digital freight brokerage, flexible freight management, and innovative platform services that simplify the integration of disparate supply chain technology. Redwood connects its diverse rooster of customers to the power of supply chain management technology in the industry's brightest minds. For more information, tell them, Chad. RedwoodLogistics.com. Nice. By the way, you got the comments up. Greg says, Greg McLean says, Led Zeppelin, not Metallica. That's right. Hey, whoa. Oh, oh he's, he's referring watching, to you. He's going to California. He's referring to your yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah. You know what's not going to California? Some trucking companies now. They've canceled inbounds <laughs> to California. Things are going to get... Things are going to get bloody. But our first story is uh, TQL says their data breach was not malware or ransomware attack. Total Quality Logistics says it will continue to work with an expert cybersecurity firm to find out how external hackers breached its IT systems and gain access to some carrier-sensitive business information. Tom Milliken, corporate communications manager at TQL, told FreightWaves a data breach was not malware or ransomware while some affected carriers weren't notified until early Thursday, Milliken said TQL first confirmed the data breach on February 23rd. And this was um, this was on Facebook groups and everything. Milligan said he isn't sure of the exact number of carriers who may have been affected by the security breach in its IT system, but is working with law enforcement and a cybersecurity firm to identify which carriers and customers may be impacted TQL is, quote, proactively contacting all customers and carriers to make them aware of this breach, and we've provided them with information on immediate steps they can take to protect their accounts and identities, the logistics company said in a statement late Thursday. Carriers were notified early on February 27th that external hackers had breached TQL's IT systems and may have gained access to some pretty sensitive information, including tax ID numbers, bank account numbers, Yikes. invoice information, including amounts and dates. Um, geez, he said they said less than 20 carriers have actually been identified where ACH payment theft may have occurred. They're recommending carriers take extra security measure, measures, though, and contact their banks, financial institutions. That's that's some crazy stuff. Yeah, it'll be interesting to talk to Cassandra Mad Gaines about this topic. Yeah, the liability that both yeah. sides have in a situation like that. I would think a lot of transactions are going to be happening. They've got to be vulnerable to these kinds of things. In another headline, FDA is keeping an eye on medical supply stocks as consumers rush to buy protective gear for the coronavirus. If you haven't heard of that yet, panic buying among consumers is starting to deplete stocks respiratory mask gowns and gloves and this is putting the broader medical supply chain at risk including hospitals that need these supplies fda commissioner stephen hahn said in a statement that the shift in ordering patterns has yet to manifest in a shortage but warned the situation is evolving and very dynamic yes yeah, searches for face masks hit an all-time high on google and uh, wired reports that amazon is attempting to stop vendors from engaging in price gouging uh, as demand is reaching new heights, hospitals have seen shortages of medical face masks and these these gears that need because private citizens are buying them all up. Yeah, it's depleting these stocks and these medical gear. This stuff comes from uh, it comes from like China, right? A lot of this stuff, and they've bought them all up. Well, here's the thing: there isn't much high quality scientific evidence of the effectiveness on these masks outside of healthcare settings. Experts say most of the best studies, which are randomized controlled 
trials focused on how well surgical masks protected healthcare workers in hospitals from picking up infections from sick patients and found that constant use of them helped. But I, I think just walking around the street, yeah, maybe it's a security blanket, but it's not doing much for you. I use them when I'm like chopping leaves up and stuff in the, you know, so I don't get allergies. Yeah. It helps for the yard work. But another impact of the virus is that it is uh, limiting the FDA's oversight when it comes to testing medical supplies is China is a key manufacturer of these goods. We just said, quote, while the outbreak is impacting our ability to conduct inspections in China, it's important to underscore that the FDA's regular risk-based process of surveillance testing of imported products, including those from China, which is based on a number of factors, continues, the agency said in an update. Mm. More bad news from this coronavirus. Like that little thing, that little that little puffball. Looks like it, a Christmas ornament. It's pretty cute, too, like the disease. It, but it the must su- just spread just like... Pledging's <sighs> an organism, right? And yeah. it's in the bloodstream of the supply chain. And here's air freight, right? In a further concession to the spread of the coronavirus beyond China, United Airlines on Friday said it is reducing flights to Tokyo and Osaka, Japan, Singapore, and South Korea. Oh, yeah. And extending flights to suspensions to China throughout April 30th. And think about this. It's, it's the 20, what, the 8th? Right at the yeah. end of February. It's a leap year, so we get one extra day. So yeah. this is all the way till April. We're talking two months from now. Yeah, I was just thinking that I, I heard uh, Henry Byers say that 200,000 people were traveling at this time of year to Hong Kong a day. Now it is 3,000. Like, wow. It, it's dropped off like the face of the earth almost. Well, logistics you- companies are warning customers that freight capacity out of South Korea is going to be tight until this Asian air yeah. freight market is because inc- it's increasingly volatile. So... You know, you're constricting, you're artificially constricting these by taking flights out of service. And it's going to, in the short term, make rates increase. But, like, what's pretty dire about it is that people aren't going to be able to replenish things. And goods are going to be taken out of warehouses. So that industry is going to get hurt. There's going to be less stuff for trucks to move at the ports, the airports, and the seaports. It's a, it, when you really start to think about it and you realize that by April 30th, we might be looking at a completely different economy and country. Wow, that's that's scary. Uh, do you want to finish? No, go ahead. Uh, United's uh, move comes as the number of confirmed coronavirus cases around the world has escalated. Several airlines this week have adjusted schedules unrelated to China and began efforts to blunt the expected loss in business as people refrain from travel to avoid exposure to the disease. There are more than 80,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus worldwide the vast majority still in China, and nearly 2,800 deaths. The International Air Transport Association last week estimated airlines would take, check this out, a $29.3 billion less in revenue this year because of the travel downturn associated with the coronavirus. Lost revenue and profits are likely to go higher as the outbreak gathers steam and becomes an even more of a global problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nick Baslone says not just the country, the globe. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're just talking about it. It's now actually hitting the shores here in the uh, the United States. Um, Razvin Christian. Sorry, I'm, mess, I'm massacring this name. He says hello. Uh, Vincio Torres also says hi. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us on the show today. The uh, and here's the here's the impact to the coronavirus. We're talking all about stocks. It's also sending airline stocks down along the broader market. And this is the fears of mass quarantines and reduced business activity. Many large companies and travel bans for their employees. 
employment. It's getting bad. Like we said, Facebook had canceled its largest global conference and instead will host small events. And I don't know if you've been hearing about this in China, but they're doing like virtual events. There's virtual DJs yeah. going on. Yeah. A lot of like kids have been told to stay home from school and April 30th seems to be a target date for now with a lot of places. But in Japan, kids are being held out they're homeschooled until April 30th. I'm wondering about my kids at daycare and when it starts getting serious here, they've already said to my wife, you can pull it. We won't hold it against them. You can pull them out. And it's like, well, I mean, thank you school. We pay them. I mean, it's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you won't hold it against them. Yeah. But I did that. This is where I feel like the mass hysteria starts to come in. Yeah. To play a little. I bit. mean, do, who, do we don't, you haven't seen someone get sick or drop dead yet, right? No, I think there's 60 confirmed cases in the U.S. so far, and there have been zero deaths. Yeah. yeah I, you well, know, yet. Well, right. I, I, just like we're, I think we're, anyway. Yeah, let's talk to JP. He wrote a a very powerful article about uh, about the rate outlook for the spring and how that's changing and evolving. So let's find out now what's trending in supply chain. Hey, Boom. JP. Hey, guys. Hey, so this guy, this guy, Sandeep Cowhan, right? He wrote okay. something really interesting when, when I put the preview up for this. And he said, with the coronavirus, executives will be asked wh- what their supply chain continuity plans are. Now, some people look, go to our site for news about that. Some people go to other sites like DAT to get news on that. And DAT recently posted a blog with this very flowery outlook about how it's springtime. Everyone's going to be outside. Who cares about the coronavirus when you're playing in the park? And you took umbrage with this, right? I did. Uh, it was kind of forwarded around our company. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, JT Ingstrom actually brought it to my attention at first. And we were kind of like, wow, this is just seems like I read it. And it was predicting like this imminent melt up in trucking spa rates. How does that occur? Which, because what, what's going on right now from the data that you see in Sonar, one of the things you put is that trucking carrier stock is down 15% over the past four days. Yeah. I mean, volumes are flat. Uh, capacity's loosening. You know, tender rejections are falling down. We know looking at the ocean data that there's going to be a massive shortfall in, in exports from Asia. You know, it's 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 already a dead time of the year. You know, uh, February. It's just like you're you're just asserting that like there's going to be all this positivity for no reason. It's, essentially, it's because DAT's main customers are brokers, and therefore they don't want to make their customers mad. So they're always talking about oh, markets are tightening, rates are going up, blah, blah blah. So brokers have something to say to their their customers, the shippers. But it's like. Why even bother like writing analysis if you're just going to say the same thing over and over again? You're going to talk about so we anyway I, we took umber as you can see I'm I'm getting emotional about it. Well, some <laughs> of the language I don't I can see why you would because of what we see and the fears we're seeing in there and we know a lot of people who own companies people who go out and take advice like this they go and buy they go and buy new or used trucks they're getting new equipment and then they won't be able to pay for it and we know how close everyone lives to that razor's edge so when you're reading stuff like the daffodils are already popping in my yard but a frost still poses a potential threat to the long-term health i mean like what the f is that no that's why i was just like you know when we do free free market analysis we look at three main things we look at volumes capacity and price rates right yeah and if you if you abandon those you know for i I think i called it the fairyland of hopes and dreams 
I mean, well, what are you really doing? What value you're adding and what's the point? So we, we wrote a rebuttal. Um, it was fun to write. It was good just to kind of bring together a holistic view of a bunch of different data sets and kind of how they all interact. But, you know, I mean, sometimes when something is just so, I mean, when I, when I read that blog post, I was like, I, I just got dumber. That's like, we, we have to, we have to combat this. <laughs> well, I, uh, so one of your critiques at the end was that you were saying, but you, if all your data set is, is historical, you may be a little bit limited. Of course, you know, we were at the beginning, I think of the year kind of anticipating that maybe there would begin to be this. Up, yeah. In up the second half of the year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what do they do? Pre-write their articles like at the beginning of the year? No. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, I think historical array data is good for establishing like basic seasonal patterns, but it's never going to have, you know, what uh, Craig Floor has called the black swan events, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like a hurricane is not going to be in the historical data. Uh, you know, the trade war is not going to be in the historical data. The coronavirus, the fact that our most important trading partner in the world, the, the world's second largest economy has quarantined hundreds of millions of people is not going to be in, you know, well, a disclaimer you always hear is that past performance isn't indicative of future results, but it seems that the logic point that DAT seem to be using, especially in these blogs, is that past performance does predict future results. And when something like this happens, right, This when hacks happen, and this week a hack happened and this big coronavirus thing that right. can disrupt supply chains, what good is that old data? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't give you a, I mean, it can say, what what it can do, you can use it to isolate the impact of a current event. You can say, okay, a normal March should, you know, based on, you know, the average from 2010 to 2018 should look like this. This March looks like this. We think, it, you know, the coronavirus has taken out this much volume or whatever. But I mean, just to say like, oh, there's all of these things happening in the news. There's all these things popping off, all these external forces. But, you know, our models still calling for, you know, trucking spot rates to go up in March just because it's March. Like, yeah, you're just you're you're almost like acknowledging the flowers bloom. I checked the farmer's the, almanac. Yeah. That's what I use. to. to <laughs> exactly. what the flowers are blooming. It's the farmer's <laughs> almanac. It's the farmer's almanac. It's like, well, you know, today I should, you know, plant my seeds. Okay. The flowers yeah. are blooming early in, in Oregon, I guess. I, I don't know because it's uh, it seems early for flowers to be blooming. Oh, yeah. Well, the daffodils. It's, maybe. Sn it's snowing here. <laughs> yeah, okay. it actually was. It literally was snowing this morning in Chattanooga. Yeah. Um, but they, and they didn't cancel schools, interestingly enough. Uh, so last year, well, China. Was a really pathetic amount of snow. Uh, dude, they cancel it for 50 degrees and rain I know. and wind. Yeah. So anyway, but we digress. All right. You, you write, uh, JP, that China's uh, economy, uh, it accounted for 21.2% of all U.S. imports in 2018. And are we estimating that that flow is going to be cut in half, at least in this unprecedented black swan event? Yeah, the flow is definitely cut in half. So I don't know if it like, if it's going to end the year, you know, at that. Right. But like, mm -hmm. certainly, Millions of TEUs and capacity and demand have been taken off of the Trans-Pacific. Um, I think I also talked in the article, like, we know that's happening in China. What we don't know is how bad it's going to get in Japan, which is our fourth largest trading partner, mm -hmm. and South Korea, which is our sixth largest. Um, those, those, those two countries account for about another 8% of our imports, if I remember correctly. So it's like... If that gets kind of, you know, it's just, it just adds insult to injury in a way. Um, well, I don't think she looks at transportation stocks very often either. The author of that blog, because she said the primary targets for divestments were airlines, cruise ship operators, and tech companies that are feeling an immediate impact. That's an outright lie. 
I mean, we're saying transportation. I mean, they might they might got down. They might have gone down more than others. I mean, obviously, like if you're if you're looking at somebody like Delta or something like that, you know, they're canceling you know thousands and thousands of flights. That's really bad. But I mean, it's true that the market as a whole went down like twelve percent this week. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, so, um, how do people find your article, JP? Uh, Freightwaves.com. Um, it's just a normal news article. Uh, the title is Commentary: Freight Data and Wishful Thinking. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Check it out. Guys. The truth right. may hurt. Wash but we your can hands take on it. the way out. <laughs> okay. Uh, Chris Hecker says hello from Seattle. Nerfad Nard Urvik. Did I get that right? He says hello from Canada. Maria Wine says hello from New Jersey. Hey, from Jersey, Maria. I've got some relatives over that way. Who's up next? It is Zach Strickland. He's going to talk a little Strickland business with us. He's going to talk about freight forecasting and why past performance is not indicative of future results. Right, buddy? Yes. It's been a while. Yeah. Since I heard hey. my jam. He's back in business. <laughs> I want that to be my alarm in the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That would wake you up with a little, yeah. little enthusiasm, right? If it was me, it might like just so I turn it off really quick. <laughs> I used to have like I used to have like the air raid siren and I realized it made yeah. me wake up in a bad mood. And now I have like by the sea as my. Oh, my wake up jingle. That makes sense. a little nicer. That's soothing. Yeah. All right. Well, we're here for you to tell us the future. Yeah. Well, past yeah. data isn't the best predictor of spot rates, right? And why freight forecasting models have to be much more intelligent, especially in situations like we are in right now. And these aren't that rare. How many times we talk about a big shutdown or or a hack or a an event like this constricting or hurting capacity in one way or another? Yeah, you can you can actually program the black swan uh, or, you know, anomaly, anomalous event into your models if you want. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is that you never know the breadth and depth, uh, just like this one. You know, we've in our, you know, in our lifetime, we've never seen something like this. I mean, this is. This, is that true? Yeah, it's very true. I in mean, what, in what in ways the, is it uh, completely anomalous? Uh, I know the Dow fell. Further yeah, that, that's not it. anomalous. The disease aspect, the worry about a disease aspect isn't anomalous, but. The thing that is anomalous is the fact that this could actually uh, impact the, both the supply and demand side at the same time, and we have no real planned. It, it's literally like an outbreak situation where you see it in the movies. Yeah, uh, but you never know, uh, especially with uh, an organism like this that can evolve rapidly. A lot of unknowns. Um, so many variables about this are simply X factors that you can't predict, uh, such as. You know, how how it's spreading, how it's going to behave when the temperature warms up. How is it going to behave throughout the population? You just don't know. Like, there's so many unknowns about this situation. Um, whereas they were able to contain a lot of the previous, you know, viruses they were worried about. We are in this era of modern technology, uh, science and everything, where they can develop vaccines when they have a lot of clear warning uh, over what's yeah. what's about to happen. Like one that's fascinating is in 1997, the avian, I forget it was the H something, but the H1N1, avian, one, yeah. The, yep. the, the avian one, that it had a, uh, a mortality rate of 60%. So if you right. had it, you were more likely to die than right. not. And it also came on really fast. But in the end, only about 458 people ended up dying from yeah. it before they killed it off yeah you know what i mean and so and already two thousand people have died from this because you can actually be a host you can actually have it and not feel any symptoms much like right re the regular flu the creeping death and that's and that's and viruses 
that are evolved poorly kill you. Like they don't want you to die. Like they need to, they need you in spread. order to spread. Yeah. So yeah. they need you to at least be around for a longer enough period of time so they can, but at the same time, if they're killing you, they don't have a host for very long. <laughs> so yeah, we have two questions. So cool breeze trucker, he says, Aloha from Hawaii. That uh-huh. must be a nice interesting place to be driving trucks. I wonder what that market is like right over there. But then Jake Tebow, he says, how about backing off on how much you put in your 401k now? Is that a good idea? No, no, it's, it's not. That's not. Eventually, the market will correct. Eventually, we will figure out the virus. Uh, eventually, it will all go back to normal. The 401k is a long-term plan. Yeah. Uh, you cannot. <laughs> yeah. That is, you're not a day trader with that. Um, keep it in <laughs> Maybe there. Maybe Robin Hood. Yeah. And, and honestly, the statistics speak to say, basically saying that you have already lost the majority of what you're going to lose anyway. Right. So mm. by the by the yeah. time by the time that you've pulled it out, you've basically already you know yeah. the damage is already done. Why do people sell when the market starts cra- like? Isn't that the worst time to sell? That's a good time I, to start I, buying. I always wonder that there's stop losses out there. A lot yeah. of what you see in the market today uh, are basically people putting in stop orders or limit orders that say once the stock drops below a certain amount, it automatically without them doing anything puts in, trades. It's because they they have an amount of money that they're okay losing. It's mitigating risk is all yeah. it is. And what that does though is that everybody has similar thresholds and then it just waterfalls. And that's why the market kind of plummets like really fast. And, the, and you know, my financial uh, teacher back in the day, investments professor said, you want to avoid the five worst days in the market. Yeah. Well, that's really hard to do, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that because the recovery is a lot slower. The negative impact is a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, I think people want to be like, you always, especially like in Robinhood, where you have like the personal trading apps, you always want to feel like you're gambling a little bit. You're being smart. Like, I cost myself a couple hundred bucks by selling my Tesla. Like it went up to nine fifty, right? And then I sold it when it started going down. So I got I got out of it at eight twenty, and then it went mm-hmm. back to nine hundred. I couldn't have panicked, but I was like, it seemed like it was going to fall closer to its mean of five hundred. Yeah. But then a lot of people are doing it, and if you don't get out quick, then yep. I think it fell to about seven hundred. Right. Then it, but then it went back up. Yeah, and then, and there will be a recovery. Like this is not going to be forever. <laughs> I think I think that this there is a for lack of a better term a kind of a new normal. I think we should be soberly expecting that this is going to spread. We have had such a long-running stretch of positive yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in the world. I mean, honestly, like we've really had an anomalous amount of, you know, growth uh, or at least a length of time where we've had positive growth. Things are actually going okay in the world in general. We haven't had a big global economic catastrophe. But the longer you have one of these periods of time, these stretches of time, the more likely an event like this is to occur. Yeah. And and maybe the the taller you are, the harder you'll fall. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't know. Um, but you but, know, like for for an example of how contagious it is right now, um, the the, uh, the diamond. Remember the diamond princess that they were quarantining everybody on mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Seven hundred and five people ended up being infected. That's insane. From that ship, and five at least five have died. Wow. Thanks for joining us, Zach. Yeah. I'm leaving you with such uh, such great news. Cassandra Gaines, by the way, said you're so smart. Oh, well, thank you, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thanks, Zach. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Guys. Thanks man. Going to mm-hmm. talk to the new dad who's going to come in, the tallest man in freight. It is Henry Byers, the big man, and I loaded up a very special sound for him. Give me the horn. <laughs> there you go. I double did. horn. Was it Foghorn? One, one, yeah. one more time. One more time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There she is. Port report. May you rest in peace. All right, man. So if 
we don't bring any goods in by air or by sea what you cover, then there's nothing for the trucks to move. Things start getting out of warehouses. Warehouses sell by what's occupying the square feet. So this could this could be disastrous to to everybody. But what is what are we seeing at the ports right now that show us the symptoms of what's going to be happening in the United States? You just see volumes dropping. Um, you know, you had the Chinese New Year lull. You're familiar, obviously. I mean, most most U.S. companies are. Uh, most trucking companies are. They know that Chinese New Year, really February, March time period, uh, volumes dip a little bit. This time it's going to be a prolonged period, and they're actually dropping further. Um, so it hasn't shown up in the truckload market yet. It hasn't really shown up in the rail market yet. The ports are receiving the, the drops in volume this week specifically, and it will continue dropping for for however many weeks this continues. I, You know, I, you, you mentioned the Chinese New Year. It was, if you could say, convenient that they were already off work. Of course, now that delay has been uh, much longer than, than anybody would have wanted. But uh, are people, are what are the, do we know what the Chinese authorities are doing to try to get people back to work because of how, how much they rely on their economy mm-hmm. for, um, for the output of these goods? I'd say they're doing everything they can, probably a little bit, Probably a little more than they probably should, honestly, oh. because uh, they were, you know, they did really depend on these exports. They've slowly over time, over the last five years, have really been trying to diversify, not be as so reliant, so dependent on their exports. But I think uh, just the nature of the global economy right now, yeah. I think Europe, U.S., uh, we rely so much on what China produces. And there's a lot of things that they can produce that other countries can't replace. So these more technological, these more advanced goods are still in China. And there's a lot of companies exposed. Not to mention, Chinese New Year is a planned disruption. Every year, <laughs> we know that that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but when every, when it, especially in a just-in-time shipping model, which is what most people employ, especially in the United States, when that planned disruption, when it just extends and it elongates, that's where you're starting to really see the ripple effects. And we're seeing companies talk about how they're canceling their spring orders. They're not, they're not even going to reorder them. They're just not coming in because, especially in clothing, those things only have a certain shelf life. You know, right. they have the life of a fruit fly. And listen to this. Coronavirus has rendered nearly 9% of container shipping fleets inactive. That's amazing, and I and I would I would relate that to peak peak season. You know, a lot of the theory, I guess, in uh, supply chain management is that if it's not in, on you know in your warehouses by October, it's not making it in time for Christmas. You can think about that the same way, right? Like there could come a point at which your orders aren't fulfilled in your warehouses, yeah. and you can't deliver to your end customers. So it's better for you to just not incur those costs to begin with. That certainly hadn't really thought about it that far, but you're certainly right. There's some kinds of costs that can't be replaced, right? I mean, I guess travel is going to be lost uh, just in the billions. Uh, but uh, well, there's some things that might just build up and just kind of have a capacity uptick uh, when, mm-hmm. when things transpire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think somebody on LinkedIn said that, you know, they expect the second half of 2020 to be gangbusters. And I'd say it's certainly fair to say if the coronavirus is able to be contained, if not, that volume's not going to come out of nowhere, right? So it's it's going to take if if everything gets back to normal, let's just say in two months, it's going to take three four months for all that freight to work itself out in the system. And in that time period, spot rates are going to spike because capacity to be super tight with all the shipments built up at origin in China, right? Now yeah. the ocean carriers, we're probably not going to have hand in situations where a bunch of them go out of business, but we are hearing about trucking companies who are canceling inbounds into California already. These are companies that cannot afford to not be making money and not keep their mm-hmm. trucks in motion. 
are we go- is freightwaves.com going to be reporting a lot more closures? I would say so, but I'll, let's go back to the ocean carriers because it's not that they're not in jeopardy. They have a lot more government um, subsidies coming their way. It's almost a national security thing. You look at Yang Ming, it's a Taiwanese carrier. You look at um, you know the South Korean carrier Hyundai. It's almost like these are the those countries like a main piece of the economy. So they're going to get some government subsidies to help them hopefully through this. You could actually see one of them go bankrupt. I won't say you won't, but in the trucking industry, you're not getting the same types of subsidies. Who's who's going down? I always thought that Yang Ming or Hyundai would be one of the first. Um, PIL um, withdrew from the Trans-Pacific altogether this year. That's very, very uh, significant. I I had a buddy who sold for Yang Ming, and it's a weird business doing sales for the big container lines, but... He didn't have. They didn't have a, a major office in in Boston at the time, and it, mm-hmm. it seemed like. I I don't think your prediction's necessarily wrong. Just judging yeah, by sure. how how his business and how mm-hmm. that his operation working for them was run. Now I don't want to say this is just anecdotal. I'm not saying that in companies yeah. across the board, but I don't know. Shipping's an interesting, uh, crazy yeah. business. Well, I'd say. Let's you know, let's just say we're just looking at the historical figures, right? Like we're not just saying they're gonna. That's what we're basing that off of. So. You know, of course, we love you know Yang Ming being around. It's a, it's one of the most you know critical carriers in the whole mix. So it's it's not saying that they absolutely will. It's just saying that they're, they're the most exposed in this downturn. We have to call Cassandra Gaines now. We're going to be talking about the TQL hack. But I know that you celebrate really quick. You had a you were out of the office for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You had a baby son. I did. How much did you weigh? Seven and a half pounds. There you go. Well, well congratulations. Yep. Congratulations, Henry. He's gained a pound a week ever since. Nice. Nice. Hey, as Thanks. long as he's off the charts, right? Yes, of course. Thanks for joining Thanks us. Thanks for being in. You'd think he would have weighed more coming out of this. I, I don't know. You know. Thank God he didn't. Exactly. For your wife. <laughs> or she would have <laughs> She would have um, probably not enjoyed that. Yeah, that's how much um, my, my, uh, my son, my first son weighed. And then they kind of kept getting bigger. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Dance so a little we bit. are we are going to yeah talk to Cassandra again. She's going to give us some insights yeah. into this TQL hack. What is happening? Hey, Cassandra. Hello. Here you go. Hello. F you. I hate everybody. I'm the man. I will never give you my order in the court. Oh. All right. That's right. <laughs> Hey, Cassandra. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Court is in Good session. Stuff. How's Arizona doing? How's, how's Arizona? Is everyone panicking over coronavirus over there yet? Is uh, I know you're, the, yes. the Carrier 411 still going on, right? Your events, I know some events are being canceled, but you guys are still happening. Nah, we're still happening because we're going to be in Chattanooga, the best place on earth. And we're going to be with you guys as well. Yeah. So we're still partying on. But in Arizona, I heard somebody say that they weren't going to go out to eat anymore. Period. Ever? Because they didn't want to get the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, um, coronavirus. I wonder if germs transfer um, slower out there due to the dry heat. I'm hoping so, but I'm. You know what? Whatever. If it happens, it happens. Yeah, I'm that's what I'm saying. Like we've been lucky so far. Like, so, you know, have you guys watched any of those world-ending movies? They give me anxiety attacks. So, oh yeah, I've oh, like, never seen them all. I have like the day after tomorrow, uh, twenty twelve. <laughs> yeah. Remember in twenty twelve for a while, there were people who thought we were all going to die because oh, yeah. of like a, a prophecy a by a lunatic. Calendar. Yes, <laughs> oh yeah, that was the Mayan calendar. 
Um, so TQL to big hack. We've been hearing more and more about these cybersecurity hacks. And I remember the first time we met you at Freightways Life Chicago, you said the one thing that shippers and carriers don't think enough about is the liability that they have by having data, by having too much information. A big hack like this happens. You're losing people's financial information, tax IDs, uh, proprietary, proprietary, proprietary pricing information, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. So give us some tips on what to do in a situation like this. Okay, so what I did is I boiled down and cut through all the legal BS, blah, 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 and I, got, I have for you guys five steps that I want transportation companies to take to prevent themselves uh, from data security, data breaches, malware, viruses, all that jazz. But then, Junior, you'll like this. I also added on an additional uh, ancillary topic, which is your data leaving with the employees of your company, too. Um, and being used by a competitor or sold. Um, a lot of the time, and I don't know what you guys have in your experiences, but uh, working at other companies, but a lot of the times your disgruntled employees or former employees or even current employees, mm. they're the cause of a lot of this type of stuff. What's on um, that computer chat? I'm going to be the one that says it. What's on that memory card? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, I but you- five steps. No, you bring up a, you bring yeah, up a good five point. Five steps. Take your, get your pins out. Yeah, they uh, just said thirty percent of of attacks are done by people within the the calls coming from inside the uh-huh. house. It's just like uh, you're most likely to get killed by a loved one. You're most likely to get hacked by um by a coworker. Man, what a positive. Uh, <laughs> What a positive! Um, Everyone's afraid of dying of coronavirus. This is. There's a much more likely chance that your spouse will kill you than the coronavirus. So think of that when you come home tonight and kiss your wife. That's awesome. I mean, not being killed by your spouse. Yo, I'm sure mine. I'm just saying it's more likely. <laughs> okay, so five. We got five easy steps, you guys. Five steps. One is you're going to designate somebody in your company that's an employee, usually an HR, IT, finance, legal, compliance, one of those people, not in sales. God's sake. That's what people sell. Um, it's going to be your data security person. I mean, it'd be part of their job, whatever, but it's going to be a part of their job, depending on the size of your company. So if you're a small company who, as you guys know, are often the biggest victims of types of data integrity issues and data breaches, um, have this person do this as just like the part, part of his or her role. No matter what, you're going to designate somebody and they're going to be in charge of all the policies, SOPs, taking on the initiative, training, and you're going to invest in this person so that they know what to do. All the rest of the steps are very easy, but it's always good to designate this to one person, have them responsible for it, and everybody else get back to their jobs. So number two, you're going to identify and you're going to locate all your data and your inventory of your equipment. So you're going to know where everything is and know what everything is. So this is my favorite thing. I do this when I go in and consult with companies. I ask them, or I look on their employees' computers when I'm shadowing them, and everybody's saving Excel spreadsheets everywhere. Everybody has access to all sorts of stuff they shouldn't have access to. People, have, Some people have cell phones, some people don't, some people have iPads. There's equipment all over not even being, not even being protected. Mm. Uh, I had a client once where an employee, no, it wasn't an employee, a random dude just walked in, stole some of their computers, and walked out. And they wow. didn't know for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You carry a clipboard, right? No one's going to stop you. You just walk in and look official. Or a polo and a clipboard and a pair of khakis, and everyone will be like, he must be a consultant. Uh, With a Patagonia vest. Chris Mayberry, he said he likes to eat too much. He's got to risk it for the biscuit, so he's still going out to eat. He doesn't care about that coronavirus. Uh, Nick Bassalone says it's just exposure. I guess exposure to... 
to your immune system getting stronger. Maybe. Yes. And Maria Wise yeah. just has a smiling and- face. I'm not, I think she was laughing about the spouse joke. All right. <laughs> All right. What's <laughs> the next you know, one? If you, if you fry that, if you fry that food up, I mean, the coronavirus is going to die, right? It's all fried. Ah. Oh, yes. I don't know. I just made that up. There's going to be a a run on air fryers. We're going to get healthy frying. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, so so, uh, locate your data and know where your equipment is. Um, Now, number three, okay? You're going to take some action. So whatever you know where everything is, you're going to back up that data. You're going to discard data you don't need. You're going to not keep personal information like, security numbers, maiden names, and biometrics. How many people have to use a thumbprint to get into the building or do something? Companies, are you keeping track of that stuff? Because that's, that's a problem. Well, then that's what about the bio? Who's keeping track of the biometrics? So once someone hacks something, what if they steal, like, my uh, my DNA coding or my fingerprint or my iris, and then they synthesize that and make clone? I don't know. Like, it, that data should be Who owns why, that data? Well, why do they get the unnecessary data in the first place? <laughs> Who owns my genetic code? Yeah, exactly. All right. Exactly, but you guys were you guys remember when I first got there, I said when we first met, like Duner said, I said data is you guys everybody's biggest concern, everybody in the industry. Because for some reason we all want data. We just collect it, collect it, collect it. We're greedy. But then and we don't even pay attention to who we're giving it away to either, which is on my list. Watch integrations with companies and how much data you're giving away because they're selling your data and doing stuff and just as careless as the rest of us. So there's a lot in this piece that has to do with keeping track of your data. Um, did you guys know that you can encrypt data? So if it is stolen, it turns into encryption. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, yeah, see, that's cool, Wait, right? We hang out with Ken Smith. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I mean, cool. I kind of do, but so that's that's an approach, huh? That's yeah, an, that's your okay. biggest step. Number number three is like your biggest thing is, is taking action. Um, number four is you're going to audit and manage um, because you guys know how employees will leave and no one even paid attention. And the employees still have access to all this information. Oh, yeah. Of course, still has some devices. That happens all the time, even to the biggest. Actually, the bigger the company is, the more that happens. Um, Makes they sense. Still, like the company didn't pay attention that they bought them a cell phone or an iPad. Um, so that's important. And then, of course, we're going to invest in outside resources. Software. Don't just get antivirus, you guys. Get anti malware. Get firewall encryption software. Do consulting training and cyber insurance. And cyber insurance, you can guys can ask. I, I love Reliance Partners. They're my people. I tell everybody to go. Yeah. There. Ask them if they you need cyber insurance. Um, they're they that they stuff. do it's, provide it's that. Or yeah. so does Roanoke. So does Roanoke. Got to give a shout out to the, there you to go. the blood. Um, yeah. Mar- Maria Wise says, how can you tell if we were actually affected by the by TQL's hacking? Do they have to disclose that to, to her or anybody else who may be a client? Excellent. I think that is a great question. Excellent question. It is because there's different ways that companies can be liable. And each state or in the majority of the states, they have to disclosure requirements and timelines. And if you don't disclose, you could get, like, for example, in Arizona, if you don't disclose in time that somebody's Information has been hacked. You could the company could be fined ten thousand dollars each instance. So oh. TQL in their Ohio office, I think it's like forty five days. Uh, TQL is lucky they don't have any California offices. I don't think, but California is much more strict. So yes, all companies have legal obligations to one reasonably protect the data, two to disclose if it's breached. Excellent question. Wow, 
Anything else, Cassandra? I know Carrier 411 is, is coming up, uh, the, the big event. We're going to be doing uh, some sort of some sort of coverage or a special uh, podcast from that with some VIPs. And I know that you're going to be on Put That Coffee Down, the freight sales podcast for closers. And we're going to be talking about how apropos is this, Chad? Objections. Overcoming objections with an attorney. Overcoming I love it. Who else action. has to overcome objections more than an attorney? She is going to help overcome those objections. Cassandra, when when yeah. uh when do you get in town? I get into town Sunday afternoon in Chattanooga. I'm so excited, and uh, and I, I'm excited about our objections section because I've been thinking about a lot and polling people. So DM me guys and gals if you have objections you want me to address because there's a lot of psychology that goes into objections mm-hmm. a lot, um, and, yeah. and and strategy there's strategy in it. Um, so you you kind of think about what objections. How are you going to respond to an objection and then escalate and then counter and then rebuttal? So there's lots of strategy. Well, nice, Cassandra. We're going to we'll pull you off the phone and then we'll bring you into real life next week. It'll be uh, it'll be a good time. We'll text you over the weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Cassandra. Thank you. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. That was a lot of great content. I mean, one through five, the top five of how to prepare. I mean, that's that's an article in itself right there. Lots of great content. You can go write it. <laughs> Thanks. How's the bad news and good news? Boom. All right. So bad news, good news. So this one here was a video captures a train collision with a tractor trailer near San Antonio. Um, that's terrible news. Yeah. I mean, well, the. Even though it captured well, let me play this. So this truck got stuck on the railroad. Now the railroad things are coming. Here he comes. Whoa. Yeah. Holy. He this. Oh. Whoa. Oh yeah. Damn. Oh so, man, did he barely get out? I'll, I'll give you the play-by-play here. So there's this semi truck in the railroad crossing of San Antonio at the railroad crossing. He gets stuck on the track. And there's a guy watching it, right? He's filming it on his cell phone, and the Amtrak yeah, train... He was late to work, this guy filming it. Uh, and he comes and he smashes his semi-truck, and you can see the guy running with his his, car, his wow. yellow vest on. He almost got creamed, so that's the good news, right? Although the truck became stuck at the railroad crossing and couldn't get out of the way of the fast-moving train, neither the truck driver or the 123 passengers and crew on the Amtrak were... Uh, were heard it was going from New Orleans to Los Angeles. Uh, cleanup crews, they had the hardest time of all because they had to spend several hours cleaning up the debris. And you know what? The driver, here. here's another little tidbit about the story. There was a sign that said, no trucks allowed, but it was on the other side. Oh. And there wasn't a sign from the side that he was coming from. Now authorities say they'll post a sign on both sides. Well, but he got a citation too. It sounds like they should cite themselves. Right. Uh, I've got some good news. According to The Driven, over the past decade, almost $200 billion has been invested globally in mobility technology that promises to improve our ability to get around. Yeah. More than $33 billion was invested last year alone. Another measure of interest in this area is the number of unicorns, which, in spite of all of the conditions, is, has doubled in the past two years. Huh? Yeah. Bad a lot news. of money being poured in. Bad that. news, though. New evidence shows that Uber and other on-demand taxis are just aiding the congestion in mm. cities while millennial riders love mass. Yeah. You know what that stands for? Mobility as a service. That's right. They're opting for lifts over 
public transportation. So what's worse is that Ubers and Lyft spend much more time unoccupied than traditional taxis do. Uh, Top that for your good news, bad news. I know. So everyone's walking around with their aqua flask, all these millennials trying to save the environment, (laughs) but their jet set lifestyles and and jumping in their Ubers are just just, uh, making Greta Thornburg cry. Right? Yeah. All right. The FMCSA advances study on assaults against female minority drivers. Let's be serious for a minute here. Uh, th- this is good that they're that they're doing a study, right? But the bad news yeah. is that women women in trucking association president Ellen Vo noted that respondents to a study conducted by her association indicated a safety level of only a four point four on a scale out of ten. That was a test would be a 44% out of 100. That is not good. Um, every woman should feel safe regardless of her career choice. And currently, this isn't always the case. Bunny Sterling, a driver from East Cows, Vermont, tried to convey what it is like to go to a shipper or receiver. This is a quote. To go to a shipper or receiver and be a female truck driver and have a male employee ask you what you will do to get your freight off the truck. If you overreact or react at all, you'll be turned away and not get loaded that day. The agency... Was named in companion bills introduced to Congress last year, directing the FMCSA administrator to create a Women of Trucking Advisory Board. The board will be tasked with identifying um, ways trucking companies, trucking associations, other groups can support women pursuing careers in truckings uh, and have an outlet to, I guess, defend themselves and put grievances in, right? So that was more like a good news, bad news, good news. I guess. Because, yeah, because there's like good news of, of uh, how they're taking action in the industry. Good study. Well, but improvements uh, haven't from, happened uh, yet, so yeah, still bad news. Right, overall. Yep, uh, I understand. Culturally, not a, not a good scene. Good job, Ellen Voy. I've got uh, good news here. Jeff Bezos somehow is in the good news. Yes, yeah. he's pumping $10 billion with a B to fight climate change. Okay. Yeah. But the bad news is some scientists are arguing that while such a huge amount of money coming from a single source is compelling, it's still just a drop in the bucket compared to what is needed uh, and some more leadership at the federal level. And there are dangers to getting the private sector involved in something that affects so much of the greater public. Okay. But that's like someone bringing like a, you know, a pumpkin pie to Thanksgiving dinner or some stuffing (laughs) or something and being like, well, this isn't going to feed the whole family. I know. Well, it's I still mean, a pumpkin pie. And they're, you know, they're looking at like, hey, why didn't, why isn't the the people hosting the party bringing in a lot more pumpkin pie? No, I guess. I mean, they are they are the cause of a lot of. The, I mean, I guess we're the, you can't do anything without the buyers. So we are the cause of being the buyers of all this stuff. But yeah, we're creating a ton of pollution and environmental waste. Yeah, I, I read that the news has covered climate change sixty with sixty three percent more frequency over the past two years than ever. Well, yeah. Good. All right, here it is. Panera is becoming the Netflix of coffee and offering a monthly subscription service to get this unlimited coffee for $8.99 a month. The bad news is you have to wait two hours between each refill. Oh, that's the catch. You can't just sit there and just keep like going up with your cup. Uh, According to Fast Company, though Panera is pitching the subscription service as a way for you to save money on coffee, it's really a Trojan horse because at Panera's 150 test locations over the last three months, all subscribers visit with three times as much frequency and they purchase 70% more (laughs) add-on items than the average consumer. That's the idea. They wouldn't get me, man. I would be the whale. I would go in there and I would go every two hours and I would never buy a cookie. And I would, they always want to give you a cookie. I wouldn't get a cookie. I wouldn't get a piece of bread. I wouldn't get a soup, bread bowl. I would just get the coffee. 
<laughs> you wouldn't buy a piece of bread. And Jonathan yeah. Smith Talk, likes to pat himself cheap. on the back with his joke that it's uh, it's Cass. Yeah. Coffee as a service. Coffee as a service. That's a, a tech good company. One. And now I guess because it's a five times a multiple in when you do like the uh, the voodoo math that is investing because it's a subscription service recurring <laughs> revenue. It's actually forty five dollars to investors instead of actually nine dollars. I think it's amazing. Brilliant. It's brilliant marketing. Yeah. How is Starbucks going to respond? It's a developing situation. Here, let's start with some bad news. Because you know, by printing more money, <laughs> haven't had enough bad news for uh, for Costco. Keeping their rotisserie chickens at four ninety nine is costing the company between thirty and forty million annually on gross margin. Wow. Yeah. But the good news is that for the past few years, the company has been recruiting farmers for this very moment. The official opening of a sprawling 450 million poultry complex of its very own in Nebraska is one of the largest scale tests of a store's ability to become its own meat supplier. And the nearly 400,000 square foot plant in Fremont will employ 950 workers. It will take the plant uh, about 45 weeks to ramp up to full production. But once it's at full speed, the plant will process about 100 million chickens a year or 40. Wow. It's good news to us, maybe not to the chickens. Then it'll be at fuller or, speed. Maybe if it can fly that high or 40% of Costco's annual chicken needs. So that's only 40% of their needs. What about P? Cos- what about pass? Would you subscribe to rotisserie chicken? How much would you spend a month to subscribe to Costco rotisserie chicken? <laughs> I would put down my nine ninety nine. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Poultry as a service. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> anyway, they're going to produce, it's got, it's a, it's a really interesting service. And I think other competitors are going to be seeing how they uh, anticipate that kind of in-house supply chain. And uh, will we as customers be able to continue to buy our four ninety nine chicken? Now, talk about your Trojan horse. They bring you in with those t- Trojan t- chicken. Th- they bring you in to get that chicken. But of course, you're going to get other things at Costco. Yeah, like a sar- like a sarcophagus. Comment section rodeo. Wow. Quick draw, McGraw. Yeah. All right. This is uh, this is Comment Section Rodeo, where we hear from you, the people. You can also comment during the show if you have something interesting to say. But usually we focus on the readers <laughs> of the wonderful FreightWaves.com because they always have such insightful or crazy things to say. Uh, this is from the article, Illinois Carrier BK Trans to Cease Operations. They cited, and this is terrible, they cited a brutal freight market, soaring insurance costs. David Tildern, he says... All marginally poorly run cumber carriers will close in 2020 or 2021, and so rates will therefore rise if freight volumes don't collapse. If volumes fall, all bets are off, and it will be a complete S-show for all carriers and brokers. If that's the case, half of all carriers and brokers could fail. Half! Only fools don't prepare, so do the following. Print off your P&L and replace every single item you buy with something cheaper. Number two, cut all unprofitable trucks, lanes, or staff. Number three, automate everything you can with cheaper and better cloud technology. Why hadn't they thought Number of that? Number four, don't borrow money to stay afloat. Number five, hold tight and pray. Uh, wow. Okay. Good advice. Also, apparently this, it, it was a poorly run operation. 43%, uh, they had a, a 43% out of service rate. Yeah. Well, he's wow. Monday morning quarterbacking right there though. A little well, bit. a little bit. Uh, art says, uh, on the same subject, 
The illegal alien carriers are working for peanuts. The playing field is not even. Difficult to make money using W-2 legal status employees. The foreigners, Bulgarians, Russians, etc. seem to be doing fine with their 1099 contract employees. It's like construction. Unless you the cheapest, you ain't getting the work. You know what that's like? That's like that South Park, they took our jobs episode. They're at the oh. wrestling event and they're holding signs and they're like, all right, Victoria Petrenko, she says, Celidon Network FOB and a lot of other companies weren't Russian or Bulgarians, however, still out of business. When business was good, everybody was happy. Now Russians think that broker hugging all money. <laughs> Americans think that Russians and Bulgarians ruining this market. But the reality is we have a supply and demand issue that's typical for economy. <laughs> so let's stop blaming each oh. other and let's wish each other luck. In surviving. I wish you luck. <laughs> Don't hug your money. <laughs> oh, uh, for the article, FTA Penske Logistics to Shutter Michigan Cross Dock Facility and lay off 120 workers and drivers. Vic Denise says, <laughs> I was diagnosed of HBV for some time. I've tried all possible means to get cured, but all my effort proved abortive. Until oh. a friend of mine introduced me to an herbal doctor from Africa by name Dr. Nelson, who prepare herbal medicine to cure all kind of diseases, including hepatitis B, diabetes, and HPV. What about Corona? When I not that yet. When I contacted this herbal doctor via his email, he sent me his herbal medicine via courier service. When I received the herbal medicine, he gave me step by step instructions on how to apply it. I took it as instructed. After three weeks, I went for a checkup. And my result was negative. I am very grateful to Dr. Nelson. May God bless him and continue to give him wisdom. I will continue sharing his, his testimony. What does this have to do with Penske Logistics shuttering the Michigan Crosstalk facility? I don't know. Come on, Vic. Stay on topic. That wasn't even, like, close, man. Catherine Whitehouse, she says, I never sell on price only. It's all about the service people. I agree. You give good customer service, you're going to probably stay in business longer. Yeah. Ford wouldn't even sign a contract with a company unless they were confident in execution. You don't walk away from a longtime provider over a few pennies, and to walk away is not greed. More business is lost over service and attention to needs of the customer than it is over dollars and cents. When the service isn't there, when the customer feels taken for granted, the cost then comes to focus, and you start shopping. You know, that co-signed what, um, <laughs> what, what Catherine Whitehouse had said, and Nathan Tyree agrees. Yes, nice. Well, Rome Rome says, in today's cutthroat race to the bottom, agree to any rate just to get market share world of logistics. Customer service means nothing any longer. Lowest price is the new elephant in the room. Carriers are running trucks with duct tape and bungee cords holding them together while they travel down the highway at 70 miles an hour. They do this because they can't afford to maintain their equipment with the rates they are hauling for. Essentially, they are working for fuel and sandwich money. The shippers do not care about any of these things, just the price they pay. It's a new world, one in which it will become increasingly difficult for carriers of all sizes to make money. I'm hoping to retire from all this in about five years, and I personally cannot wait. The greed is out of control and shows no signs of slowing. Whoa. Uh, here's one. Illinois carrier lays off drivers, shutters, Wisconsin terminal on short notice. This is Ross Conley. Why can't the drivers go to another terminal, even a different division within the company? Is this how they treat people? No wonder they are closed. You are only as good as your team. Treat your team like this, and that's all it takes to fail, kid. 
On a different uh, topic, the FTA Flock Freight nets 50 million Series B to redefine LTL shipping. Dave says, good God, this just shows these it." That these idiot VCs will invest in anybody. This is simply a multi-pick, multi-drop freight model, which has been done for decades by everyone. The large brokers do it the best, and they have the most volume, but everyone does it. This is nothing new. There everyone are, does it. There, Everyone's everyone doing it. it. At least everyone does it. There are a million reasons it is not efficient and thus not popular, but I just don't have the time to teach these morons. But let me ask a simple question. Do you not think UPS and FedEx would have done this already if it works? It doesn't. No wonder these VC money people get fooled so often and lose their investors' money. They have no idea how this industry works. Sheesh. Yeah, flock for It's very like a, it's like a Jevic model, I guess. They're trying to get rid of the hub and spoke. But I think a lot of the criticism that we saw in the comment section about that particular model was that in the in the reality of it is that it's very hard to plan the the first pickup or the last pickup to make these sort of LTL consignments. And uh, they were saying that it's going to be a lot harder than this company's putting out in the marketplace. But we'll see. They seem that they're going to fix it with technology. So I don't know. Good luck to them in the Red Sox, as they say. Yeah. Candace doesn't ratify the USMCA, but don't worry. Noble One. His, his name gets longer every time, too. So Noble One says, speaking of dairy... Quote from the article above, allowances for a little more U.S. dairy to flow into Canada. Learn from the cow. Once a calf <laughs> learn reaches from the a cow. Learn from the cow bell. Yeah. Learn from the learn from the cow. Once a cow reaches a certain calf, age. Calf, yeah. Once a calf reaches a certain age, it no longer consumes milk. Why? Apparently, the calf and the cow naturally know better than human beings. They haven't been brainwashed through propaganda like humans have by the capitalists and globalists, in my humble opinion. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Well, making some... I think that is true. Like, that, the, the U.S., like, the recommendation to have three cups of milk is not... There's no, like, real science speaking behind of, that. Speaking of technology, how about almond milk, right? Oh, that's pretty you know, good. Yeah. I like almond, almond milk. milk. Yeah, Oat I love milk? it. That's all I drink. You ever milk a cat? You ever see uh, Meet the Parents? <laughs> Have I ever milked a cat? Yeah, Meet the Parents. Uh, oh. No, negative oh. captain. All right, well, let's see what's coming up. Let's come up. We got radio on the weekend, 3 p.m. Andrew Cox will be my co-host on that. We'll be talking to all sorts of wonderful people. Phone lines will be open all show. We come right back at you with What the Truck on what Monday at truck? 1 p.m. If you missed our coronavirus special at 11 a.m. that was on today, you can go back and watch it on demand on the Freightwaves TV app. On Lots YouTube. of experts Probably. joining Craig Fuller. Probably on LinkedIn. You can get that. Smarter people than us. We just uh, we just paddle the boat. You know, we're not the... Uh, well, you hopped on as well. Paddle the boat on here. Well, I was promoting the show. I didn't say anything really interesting other than uh, I think that the, like the actual coronavirus up close, it doesn't look that... <laughs> It looks kind of cute. You said it looked pretty. Yeah, that's true. That it Maybe does. that wasn't as smart as what some of the others guys said. Yeah, I mean, I just have a different perspective on things and, and life. <laughs> um, Tuesday, great quarter, guys, with Kevin Hill, Andrew Cox. They'll be on Wednesday. We have Put That Coffee Down. Cassandra Gaines will be in town. We'll be doing a special show with uh, her and uh, 30 of our favorite people on Earth. They're VAPs. That's going to be an exciting event. It's going to be cool to that's have right. a bunch of people in town. Thursday, you got your homeboy, Michael Vincent, doing that freight forecasting. Yeah, man, he's going to be great. He's getting better each and every time. He's kind of doing a chart boys type of thing, a chart guys. What is that? Uh, have you, you haven't seen the chart guys? No. Yeah, well, that's what he's doing, only with sonar. 
Oh, it's not like yeah. a barbershop quartet. No, you got to. Oh. I guess check. Well, check him out. Everybody. Oh, that's Backstreet Boys. No, or is that in yeah, sync? It's it's not the Backstreet Boys. Oh, okay. No, it's the chart, chart guys. Boys. That is, he's telling. But yeah, the our engineer is shaking his head. He's saying that is Backstreet Boys, or is it in sync? I don't know. I'm, I've lost the plot. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> what else happens on Thursday? I'll probably be a new Freight Waves Insiders. I, if you've missed this week's, I just interviewed Emily Zink talking about her shattering the glass ceiling at 30 frames right. per second. Her rise from um, humble local TV news anchor and CW star. She, she won like some reality sh- competition. I never knew that about her. That she won a reality show. And then she's like Nightcrawler. You ever seen oh, that movie? I, I didn't know. I, I heard most of that interview. That was a good interview, but I didn't I didn't hear that part. So, but did you, Nightcrawler. You see the movie Nightcrawler? Oh, I tried to start it with Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. It was weird. It I is. Just, I didn't get into it. Well, she said something that reminded me of that, though. She said that local news reporters are like first responders because they show out like these these homicides and these oh, things. Oh, yeah. At the same time, the police do, and they get to they get to see it all. So I asked if she had nightmares, but she said no because she had to wake up at 2.30 in the morning to do the news. So, so it kind of broke the uh, dream cycle. Kind of broke it. Yeah, thank you, everybody, who joined us on the show today. You can follow him at... Chad Prevost. You can follow me at Timothy Dooner. That is D-O-O-N-E-R. Thank you, everybody, who came on the, the live stream, who's tuned into our content this week, who's going to help us hit, I think, over 2 million views over the weekend. Exciting stuff here at FreightWaves.com, at FreightWaves TV. Download that app, right? FreightCast, subscribe to FreightCast, get every single FreightWaves podcast. You're going to get them, you're going to hear them through your ears, and you're going to hear shows like, What the Truck? You're going to say, Hey, where was Harrison on the show? He was sitting over there having a meeting, giving me a sideways dog glance like this. Harrison, getting Connor, better each and every day, Connor, just like you intern. all are. Thanks for tuning in. A lot of our promos, and thank you to all of you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay good.